This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Man, I love that, Dino. That was, and I'll tell you what, what a glorious day it's going to be. Was anybody outside yesterday at all? Yeah. Oh, man, I'll tell you, it's easy to praise God on days like that, isn't it? I'll tell you. I was just, you want to be outside. You want to enjoy just the beauty of being in Texas in the October, November time frame. We have those windows that are so great. I want to talk to you today about no errors. Now, I'm going to tell you that I, I watched, I am a football person, I'm, I'm up and down football, but I did watch the World Series, and uh, parts of it, um, to me baseball just runs a little too long, but I watched, the, uh, I watched especially the last game up in Boston, and what I noticed was this, you can get momentum going on in a, in a game, and all of a sudden a dropped catch or a, a play that's just done poorly. And then they would put this thing up on the screen that says error. That meant that that player was going to be marked with an error. He made a mistake and it kind of stopped the, the, the good progress that could have happened or the other team took advantage of that. Today, uh, the Cowboys are going to be playing uh, the Vikings. Now we got the four and four Cowboys versus the one and six Vikings. See, you didn't know this was a sports show and a sermon all rolled up in one. But uh, <laughs> what I've noticed is that sometimes the Cowboys will make a phenomenal play. I mean, just a great pass. And then all of a sudden this little yellow thing pops up on the corner of my TV screen and it says flag. And I know that I am a positive, God can do all things, but when I see that flag, I think it's against us. And then all of a sudden, now not, not all the time, but then what happens is if that penalty or error took place, that play is brought back and all of the good that took place is just kind of erased at that point. What we're going to talk about is errors in our lives. And we're going to look at what David also talked about. Now David, Psalmist David, said that he had a, uh, he had a heart after God's heart. He was a, a man after God's heart. So let's look at what we're going to be, the main passage today. It's Psalms 19, verses 12 and 14. And I even told David, our David, Psalmist David, um, this is a very short message today, so just listen quickly. But Psalms 19, verses 12 through 14 says this. Who can discern his errors? Now, your version might say, who can understand their mistakes? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Verse 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing into your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What this passage is saying is, God, would you cleanse me from the things that I don't even realize that are in me? Hidden faults, hidden sins, things that, that we, we carry around that times we, we may or may not want to admit that they're even there. Yep. I believe that most Christians want to stay free of bitterness. I believe that most Christians want to walk in forgiveness and, and they want to, to have a, a peaceful spirit. I believe that most Christians want to speak life and not death. They speak blessings and not cursings. But sometimes there's hidden things in our lives that hold back our forward progression in God's blessings in our lives. God will always love us. 
God will always be there for us. But there's times that we fail little tests that keep us in that second grade spiritually over and over and over again before God takes us into greater depths and greater knowledge with him. Hidden things that we have to deal with. Unresolved issues that can damage our perception of God. We simply have to resolve these things. So you might say, Pastor Mark, how do I know if there's unresolved issues in my life? Because anytime that issue comes up or is mentioned or is made present, if there is still hurt and pain associated with it, God has not healed you from that situation. Very clearly. I can mention a person's name. I can mention a time in your life, a season, a workplace, a, a home environment, whatever the case may be. And if that brings a little bit of tinge into your spirit, it means that God has not healed you yet. You have not sought God in that situation. We can try to cover up things. We can try to forget as best as we can without taking it to God. A lot of us are, are proud that we can handle situations, but God wants us to cast all of our cares upon Him. That's what the Word of God tells us. And some of us don't want to cast those cares because we're, we're still hurt about that situation. But don't take it to people. Take it to God. Say, God, this is still hurting. This is still burning inside of me. Anytime I hear that person's name, I cringe. I cry. I weep, Lord. But every once in a while, we might even have to say, God, if there's anything inside of me that's not pleasing to you, would you reveal it from me? If there are actions that I am allowing in my life that's continually sinful in your eyes, would you reveal that to me? Some of us are very good at justifying our actions. We are. We can tell a lie so many times that it actually becomes true to us. Have you ever experienced that? I'm not looking for a show of hands on this one. But you've actually twisted something that you start believing that that's the truth. And we know deep, deep, deep down inside, that's not the truth. The Holy Spirit knows truth. He'll lead us in ways of truth. But there's times that we allow certain things in our lives. There's certain standards that we have lowered in our lives. It may not be bothering you this morning. You say, you know, Pastor Mark, until you started bringing this up, I wasn't thinking about that person. I wasn't thinking about that. But I want to tell you that if it's in your heart and if it's in your spirit, it's still an area of attack for Satan to come in at any time. He knows us. He watches the way we respond. He watches the way that we behave. Our children watch us. Satan watches us more than our children do. See, our kids know who to go to on certain days when they want something. They kind of know the whole pattern. They've passed that down. So Auburn knows to, ask, to come to me after I'm full. Okay, I'm in a better mood after I've eaten. They go to mom when they want more merciful things, more for me when they want more money things, okay? So they kind of watch and know how to work that. Isn't it right, Austin? Perceptive. <laughs> <laughs> Satan watches how we respond. Satan knows when to attack, when certain things happen. Maybe somebody gets in contact with you and then boom, an attack comes in your life because he knows that there's still unresolved hurt and issue. And what David was saying is, search me, O God. Search my heart. And if there is anything that's unpleasing from you, please reveal it. Heal me of that situation. 
David was a, a man after God's own heart. Today's passage is also talking about errors. Errors are sin in our life that we allow to continue. If you're taking notes, I've got three points on how to not continue in the paths of sin. See, we all love getting together on Sunday and worshiping. And we go home and, and man, we just have a, a presence of God. But how are we the rest of the week? Amen. Are we still seeking God on, on Thursday morning? Amen. Are we waking up saying, this is the day the Lord has made, or do we just think about that maybe once or twice a week? It's so important, that statement of setting that every morning because it's setting the tone for the day. This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for saving me and granting me success is the rest of that passage. Point number one, refuse to be the you you used to be. Some of us may not even like the who we are today, but we realize that we have to change or we're going to continue in the path that we've been. The layman that was at the pool of Bethesda was healed by Jesus. And if you read that story in the book of John, afterwards the layman sees Jesus and he goes up and he thanks him. And this is what Jesus' response is to him. See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Now, these are Jesus' words. These aren't Mark's words. He's saying, look, you've been healed. Stop Amen. what you've been doing. Right. Or it's going to get a lot nastier. Right. Sin brings in bad things into our lives, okay? Sin opens the door for multiple things to happen in our lives. Oh, but Pastor Mark, this is just a little thing. It's a little habit, or it, it's just a tiny white lie. There is no such things as white lies. Lies are lies. That's right. All sin leads to death. There's no misdemeanor sins. That's right. When we also looked about the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, and Jesus told her and he started writing in the sand and I would have loved to have seen what he wrote in the sand. I, don't, I wouldn't want to have been one of those that, oh, that's me. <laughs> I don't mean it that way, but a man just to be able to sense that. What dispersed that crowd that had stones ready to, to judge that woman? And then he said, she said to him, no man, Lord, and Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. Amen. Amen. Now, we're seeing a pattern here with Jesus. He's doing something great in our lives, and he's saying, look, don't continue to do the things that you were doing that brought you in this point. Amen. Amen. We also saw where the, uh, Rahab, the, the, the prostitute, after the children of Israel came in, she was no longer a prostitute. What I'm saying is when you get into God's presence, there has to be a repentance of our lives, and we can't continue on in the sinful ways if we want to grow in Christ. See, not only was Rahab stopped being a prostitute, and I bet some, some people came and said, hey, I, I, I hear you got a little side business going on. She says, you know, that's not me anymore. That's not me anymore. I've come into the presence of God, and that's not me. And not only did God heal her, but it made her in the lineage because she was one of the, if you read the lineage, she's one of the, the grandparents of David, which is the grand lineage of Christ. That's right. That's right. 
Talk about redemption. Talk about mercy and grace that we could be a prostitute one day and then God says, you know what? You're forgiven. And not only are you forgiven, I'm going to put you into the lineage of my son. But you can't continue the actions after you have that encounter with God. See, we've become that society of acceptance that yes, we may have an encounter with God one day, but we're back to who we were the next day. God wants to see that there's true repentance. My definition of true repentance is doing a complete 180 on something that's displeasing to God. A complete 180. Turning around completely. When God has identified sin in my life, when God says, Mark, I don't want you talking about other ministries. See, we'll never talk about other ministries. People call us and say, hey, did you hear about this? Did you hear about this? We've always, and our kids will testify this, we've had a policy we don't talk about other ministries. Because the word of God says, touch not my anointed. Amen. Who am I to decide who is anointed? All men fail. All women can fail you. But they are still children of the most high God. There's still an anointing and a calling on their lives. And the body of Christ needs to stop bickering about, oh, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? Why don't we start putting our attention on getting people who don't know Christ to know Christ as opposed to talking about other believers? Those are standards in our lives. There are standards that you will start setting in your life as you walk with Christ. You'll know that something is not right. There'll be a grieving in your spirit. We have to change. We have to stop refusing to be who we used to be. There was an analogy that I read about a young boy that was going through class and the teacher was actually saying that Christ never existed, that water never was turned into wine. And the little boy raised his hand. He goes, I don't believe that because Jesus turned beer into bread. She said, I don't think that's even in the Bible. He goes, no, that was in my home. My dad was an alcoholic. We never saw him. We didn't have food. And he came to know Christ. And now we have a dad. And we have food on our table. And he's no longer that alcoholic. You see, some of us think that we have to see that remarkable miracles. There are miracles walking around us everywhere. All of us have testimonies of, I once was lost in sin, but now I've been found and I've been saved. And I am not the person I used to be. That is a miracle. Every one of us has this testimony of what God has done in our lives. Those are miracles. Refusing to be who you used to be. That has to be determined inside of you. I can't do that for you, but you have to make that. That God, I want to experience you. I want your forgiveness. And I want to stop being the person that I was. Point number two is seek to become who God wants you to be. Cleveland Stroud... There's a coach you probably haven't heard of, but he coached the blue-collar Bulldogs for 18 years. Basketball team. And he tells the story that it was a perfect night for a victory. And his team, after 18 years, he had been trying and trying and trying for state playoffs, won the championship. And in his story, he tells about how the players picked him up and carried him around. And that at that point, he felt like that was one of his best moments in life. That following week, the newspaper had him on the front page that our local high school team finally made the championship. Everything was great for two months. 
until one time when Cleveland was going through and doing a grade check on his students, and he found that one player that played for 45 seconds, not in the championship game, but in one of the qualifying games, was academically ineligible. He struggled on what to do. Struggled. Depression came on. It's like this was, as a coach, this is what you long for. You long for state championship and, and recognition of, of your coaching skills. Does he say anything or does he just go and confess the situation? He said in his comments, winning is the most important thing for any coach. But your principles have to be higher than your goals. Your principles have to be higher than your goals. He reported the error to the league, and the Bulldogs forfeited their trophy. When he met with the team to discuss their loss in the locker room, he told them, and I want to read this quote, You've got to do what is honest and what is right, no matter what the consequences are. People forget the scores of basketball games, but they don't ever forget what you are made of. See, that's integrity. That's integrity. How many of us would have just said, you know what, it's already in the newspaper, it's already, the, they've already engraved our name on the trophy. I would actually be doing a disservice by bringing up this. But the integrity that he passed on to his players was probably the best coaching advice he had ever given them. We need to be what God wants us to be. Romans 7.19 and 7.19 through 21, Paul says, I don't do the good I want to do. Instead, I do the evil that I don't want to do. Now, when I do what I don't want to do, I am no longer the one who is doing it. The sin that lives in me is doing this. So I've discovered this truth. Evil is present with me even when I want to do what God's standard says is good. What Paul has been saying, and over the last couple weeks I've been going back to this passage, is that we struggle daily with the sin factor of our lives. And there is still the spirit factor of our lives saying there needs to be standards. There needs to be ways that we can show Christ's love in every situation. It is easy to get angry. It is easy to curse somebody. It's easy to flip somebody off. It only takes one hand. Well, too, if you're really mad. But it's very easy to do all of this. It takes greater strength to restrain yourself. Come on. We've all been there, okay? It takes greater strength to restrain and not say or to respond to a hurtful accusation. It takes greater strength, greater peace in us to speak a blessing more than a cursing. Remember how I told you that our kids are always watching you and Satan is always watching? He's watching to see how we respond. He knows the buttons to push in our lives to get a response. Sometimes you can feel like a, a spiritual puppet. Satan does this, will you do this? Until we come to a point saying, you know what, I'm no longer going to be that spiritual puppet. I'm no longer going to cave into this flesh. 
I'm going to spend time in the Word. I'm going to seek every, every passage that I can read about God's peace. I'm going to search it from Genesis all the way through Revelation. And I'm going to write down those passages. And I'm going to put sticky notes everywhere I can. And that time that I feel like I'm about to get angry, I'm going to speak a scripture of peace. Wow, Pastor, that seems like that'd be a lot of work. <laughs> Growing in Christ requires effort. We can't microwave the ways of God. Come on. I mean, I wish we could, but we can't. We see a story with Mary and Martha, both in the presence of Christ. One chooses to go through the roles of working, and one chooses to sit at the feet of Christ and just enjoy the presence. And some of us are still that Martha. We're working, we're striving, we're, we're, we're working out our salvation. Wrong. It's the presence of Christ that brings the peace that passes all understanding into our hearts. We just have to spend time in the presence of God. We have to carve out a time of our schedule that we can spend with God. Some of us do need to turn off our radios and just spend time with God while you're in the car. Maybe turn off the television and say, you know, I just want to look up some of those peace scriptures that Pastor Mark was talking about. We have to refuse to be who we used to be, and we have to seek who God wants us to be. Because God does have a plan and a purpose for every one of us. Not one of you is a mistake. You have different gifts, callings, and abilities. And God wants to use that to impact this society. There's a reason why you were born. There's a reason why you were born here. There's a reason why you were born now. And God has a plan that we don't even comprehend. But if we seek him in his word, we start getting glimpses Amen. of our purpose and our reason. Unfortunately, sometimes when we get into his word, we also start seeing the frailty of our spirit. That's why David wrote this. He said, help me with the hidden things. The hidden things. Things that I've kind of suppressed. But if the right scenario comes up, I know I would react. Last point. Allow God to transform you to become who he wants you to be. Romans 12.2 is one of my favorite passages. It says, don't become like the people of this world. Don't become like the people of this world. Don't become like the people of this world. How many of us strive to fit in to any environment that we're at? Right? We start working in an office that has more casual attire or maybe country western attire and guess what? Within two or three weeks we're buying boots and hats and a big buckle that also works as your salad plate. <laughs> three weeks ago you weren't that way but pastor, everybody, everybody's got the buckle. I gotta have the buckle because everybody else has the buckle. Or it could be another environment that everybody's high fashion and all of a sudden you're like wearing your, your Walmart clothes in, you know, your George brand. You're like, well I've got to start stepping up. We strive to fit into every environment. And what the Word of God is saying, don't strive to be like people. They are lost people anyways. Do you want to follow somebody who's lost? No. You know, nobody sells a GPS that will give you wrong directions. It's not out there. Okay? You buy a GPS so it will get you to the place you want to go. It can be a dirt cheap GPS. I don't know where it's going to take you, but it'll take you somewhere. <laughs> Wow, what a commercial that would be, right? <laughs> well, we're following people 
that are more screwed up and messed up than we are thinking they have the answers. We have the answers. We have the answers. They should be coming to Terry saying, Terry, teach me how to pray like you can pray. I want to learn that. We don't need to be following them. They need to be following us. And they need to see the peace that passes all understanding. They need to see the love and forgiveness that we have. They need to see the strength that we have. They need to see the hope that we have, that we have a future. All because of what Christ did on the cross. Amen. Not because of what we did, but because of what Christ is doing through us. Right. Don't become like the people of this world. Instead, change the way you think. Yeah. Then you will always be able to determine what God really wants, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. We might need to start asking God for more direction when we're making some decisions. Saying, God, what is your perfect way in this? Amen. He knows better. I think sometimes we don't ask because we don't want to hear. Change your want to. It might be too hard. It might require us asking forgiveness. And we're not ready to do that yet. It might ask us to do something embarrassing. And we don't want to do anything like that. God, what is your perfect and pleasing way? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. Praise God for that. The old way of living has disappeared, and a new way of living has come into existence. Praise God. I learned something about lobsters this week. They are delicious. No. <laughs> Especially with a butter sauce. No. Just kidding. They are. Did you know that lobsters molt their shells four to five times a year? I do know four. Four. Four to five times a year. I went four to five times a year. Do you know that? Huh? Did anybody know that about lobsters? Four to five times a year, they get rid of their shells. And why do they get rid of their shells? Because they're growing, and the shell will not allow them to grow. So they excrete an enzyme that starts deteriorating the shell, which allows the shell to crack. See, you know sports, you know biology. There's so much in this message. So what happens is all of a sudden, this enzyme starts cracking apart this shell, and for about six to eight weeks, the lobster is very vulnerable. So the lobster tries to hide in the rocks because the shell is not protecting them. But they had to do this so that they could grow. If they don't, the shell would actually kill them because their body is growing. How many of us as Christians refuse to get rid of our shell because we don't want to grow. How many of us are still content in last year's shell? Because it's just so comfortable. <laughs> I don't want a new one. Because if I do make any change, I'm going to be vulnerable. We have to grow in Christ. Amen. And growth comes through making some uncomfortable decisions. To say, I'm not going to be who I used to be. I want to press forward to who God wants me to be. And those decisions have to deal with making some important decisions based on God's direction. Seeking peace. Amen. 
seeking mercy, giving mercy. Hidden things in our lives can destroy our walk and growth in Christ. Are we saved? Yes, we're saved. But there's so much more. There's so much more. And I want us to all to grow. Discipleship, loving God's word, spending time, means being so committed to Christ that when he calls us, we'll risk everything to follow him. Some of you just thought, oh, risk everything to follow him? The early church did. To be a follower of Christ and and to be known. Do you realize that when baptism took place in the early church, it took place in a public pool. And all of a sudden, somebody says, I saw Al Cameron get baptized. He's one of those followers of Christ. And Al could lose his family. He could lose his job. All because he made a public declaration of his commitment to follow Christ. Now we do it in churches and everybody celebrates. But the early church was willing to risk it all to identify themselves as a follower of Christ. And how many of us are not willing to identify ourselves as a follower of Christ in our workplace or our school or our neighborhood? Because once they realize that we're a follower of Christ, they may hold us to different standards. That's exactly what they need to be doing. We have the answer, and the answer is Jesus Christ. We have the peace that passes all understanding that guards our hearts, and that comes from Jesus, on what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. What Christ did on the cross changed our lives. Because without that, we would have never been able to have all the spiritual blessings that we talked about in the last series. The spiritual blessings of adoption into the family of God to being joint heirs with Jesus Christ, to having wisdom and knowledge when we ask for it, to have an eternal home in heaven. How we talked about heaven is so much more grander than I think we can even comprehend on this world. I think there's beauty in heaven that we won't even be able to comprehend until we step into that eternity. Colors, smells, food, joy like we've never experienced before. No pain, no sickness, no dying, no fear. Have you ever thought about that? That heaven will have no fear. Some of us say, oh, I don't experience fear now. Yes, this world is full of fear. This world is full of fear. You're a containment of God walking through a world of fear, but we're to walk with peace. Amen. Errors. Baseball. The only player who makes no errors is the player that sits on the bench and never gets into the game. That's not what we were created to be. We were created to make a difference. And while we're out there, we are going to make some errors. But God's grace and God's forgiveness is willing to forgive us of our sins. But today's message is about some hidden things that we need to resolve within ourselves. And they're hurtful. They're disillusioning. But we still have to deal with it because God's word says that when we cry out, he hears us. Can I have everybody bow their heads? I lead you each week in a a prayer that 
that it gives you the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. Or sometimes it might be a prayer that just says, you know, Pastor Mark, it's been so long since I've really committed my life to Christ. I just want a fresh anointing. I just want to know that that, that was the day that I just started fresh. That true repentance that you said, that doing a complete 180 in my life, changing directions of the direction my life was taking. And I want to document it. And I want to write it in my Bible so that any time I can always go back. That's why I lead you in this prayer. But as we pray this prayer today, would you take the time right now to ask God, is there any hidden faults, any sin in my life that I have not confessed, that I have suppressed? Is there any disappointments, any disgust, any anger that I have not put before you in the cross? That I've tried to handle myself. I've given you 98% of my life. But this is that 2% I'm talking about right now. And God has you here listening to this message. You see, this message was not the message that I had planned for this Sunday. And God said, preach this one instead. So obviously, somebody in here needed to hear this message today. That God wants you to deal with that 2% that you haven't turned over to Him. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. If you recommitted or you've never given your heart over Jesus Christ, first thing is to tell somebody about that decision so they can encourage you. God will surround you with people who will grow you in your faith, show you scriptures about a situation, pray for you. Great intercessors will be praying for you. God will wake them up in the middle of the night just to say, I've been praying for you. Those are the people you want to surround yourself with. I pray that this week things will be resolved, revealed and resolved in your life. In relationships, in your finances, in your family, in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, and even within the body of Christ. Because we can't continue walking around with that 2% of sin and growing in Christ. We have to deal with it. I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. So if y'all would please stand. And may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remember, if you'd like to help out on Saturdays, please come and see me. Let me know. We'll be meeting next Saturday here.